Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on real Christians should be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Christians should be able to do whatever they want, whenever they want. Amen. Right? Come on. Amen. That's a good Chris. Come on. We should be able to do whatever we want. Whenever we want. Now, it seems like that's like a joke. I'm dead serious. I believe with all of my heart. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. Well, that's what's wrong with you, Pastor. <laughs> we should be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want. See, some people do what they have to when they're told to. And they spend their whole life doing what they have to when they're told to, and they are begrudging what they're doing. They hate what they're doing. Reminded of uh, this little meme I saw this week, and I can't remember the exact wording on the second part of it, but you'll get the picture. There's a guy fishing in a boat, And it says, religion is a guy sitting in church thinking about fishing. (laughs) Relationship is a guy fishing thinking about being in the presence of God. That's the difference. The guy sitting in church thinking about fishing is doing what he has to do. The guy fishing thinking about being in the presence of God is doing what he wants to do. And when the opportunity and the doors open and he gets to go and he gets to be there 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 and he gets to worship and he gets to stand up for an hour, why do we have to worship so long? (laughs) Okay, wait a minute. What? Why do y'all have, why do y'all think we have to worship so long? Like, if this thing is about having to, heaven is going to be the most miserable place that you've ever been. And in hell, you don't have to do any of this stuff. (laughs) You know, I know a place you can go, you never have to worship again. Well, that's not true, actually. <laughs> you'll have a little reprieve, and then your knee will come and bow. Right? But we have to, we have to, we have to. It's such a perversion on true and undefiled religion, relationship with God. We corrupt this whole thing. We look at it like man, because man is always do what you have to do to get what you want. And so, you know, when we do stuff that we have to do instead of what we want to do, we have to fabricate in our mind motivation. You hear me? Anybody ever done a job that you really didn't want to do? Did you find a way to motivate yourself to do that? 
I was with the guys at the house, Redemption Life House. We were putting a roof on the Yago's house. And um, we were up there putting the roof on the house. And, you know, if you've got five or six guys and everybody needs a drink every 15 minutes, then you'll never know who's on first, who's on break. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like just a cycle. And after a couple hours, I felt like I was the only guy on the roof. You know what I mean? It's like... So I said, okay, guys, this is how I like to work. I like to set myself up some checkpoints so I stay motivated, right? Like, sometimes it gets me in trouble. Like, like I had some checkpoints the other night at the drive-thru that I wanted to get done. Actually, I started at 7.30 in the morning on Friday morning with some checkpoints for the day. This is what I want to accomplish on Friday. You know what time I went home? Saturday morning at about 5.30. Sometimes you just need to say, you know what, let's just move some of that over. But I've been moving it over for a long time, so I, I, I you know, I'm a pretty tenacious bulldog when I make up my mind, right? It's going to happen. And so, and then I like to burn bridges. Like, I like to make it where it has to happen. You guys feel me on that? Like, rip up the carpet on the week of Easter. <laughs> Two years ago, Right? You know, it's like, like tear down the back wall the week of Easter. So, like, guys, something happened at the church, and we're going to have to put new carpet down before Sunday Easter. <laughs> uh, the stage is taken apart, guys, so we're going to have to fix it before Easter. Anyway, so I, like, tore the drive-thru apart, you know, and started a whole bunch of projects, all of them. And then they couldn't even open Saturday morning unless I finished, right? So I texted John about 2, and I was like, Pray for me. I'm fading fast. And now they can't even open this place right now. But we had to make these checkpoints. So I told the guys on the roof, I said, so let's decide what is a reasonable expectation before we get a drink of water. Right? Is anybody there? Any of the guys here right now? Are you up there, Philip? I don't know if you're up there or not. I said, let's decide, and then once we decide, it's your choosing to do it, not me constantly saying, hey, don't get water, will you please finish that, because you're going to hate me, be mad at me. Let's all make a choice. What's acceptable, and then we're powerful people making powerful choices, and then we're doing what we chose to do. So I think we could tear off this whole side of the roof, get it done, tore off, before we get a drink. Y'all agree? Yeah. Do you know we tore that roof off faster than we had done anything? And then we got a little drink. Then I said, okay, guys. Well, now it's time for lunch. Well, wait, I don't think we should have lunch until we finish tearing the other side off. Right? So let's put lunch off. Let's tear this off. It was faster than the other side. Right? <laughs> But if we had taken breaks every 15 minutes at will, we would have never got anything done. And our attitude the whole time would have been like, why is he telling me to quit taking breaks? So take one instead of 10 and feel more powerful about your choice. You know what I mean? Like you're in control more when you go down every 10 minutes. It seems like you're in less control. You're only taking one break. You're getting more accomplished, but you feel more powerful because you made a choice. I might be random with you guys right now. But you have to put these checkpoints in place if you're doing something you don't want to do. 
You know what our checkpoint is when we're doing stuff we don't want to do? Affirmation. So when we're doing this thing, Christians. Now I'm talking about we're talking about Christians right now, okay? So Christians should not do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it. Because then they're going to have to have people affirm them and make them feel better about it and feel like they're being valued in doing what they didn't want to do. Why is there so much in the fence in church? So much in the fence. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck and went over. What's those things you did when you're singing? Butter, 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 butter. Jahan does these old exercises before she sings. I need to start doing them. She's not going to help me at all. She's not going to give them to me. She doesn't want me to do them. <laughs> bumblebee, bumblebee, bumblebee. I'll just start making them up to you. Tell me the right ones. Why is there so much offense in the church? Sometimes even more prominent than outside the church. Because we got a bunch of people doing what they don't want to do and thinking everybody in the room owes them affirmation for their great sacrifice of doing what they didn't want to do. Pastors need affirmation. It's like everybody that walks in the room owes me a debt to make me feel good enough about myself to do this one more week. And everybody feels that. And people walk in the room and they have a debt for the pastor to affirm them enough to make them come back one more week. Can I just say something? Well, you want a cookie? If you think there's any possible thing in the world that I can give you that's going to motivate you enough to do what he's asking you to do, you're out of your mind. Because there's not a possession in this world that can motivate you to walk through what he's going to ask you to walk through. But if you'll get your focus right, what he's asking you to walk through is what you'll want to walk through. But if you keep walking through what you don't want to walk through, and thinking my pep talks and my affirmation and my warm fuzziness is going to make you feel good about it, it's never going to work. And when you hold those debts to the people in this room and people at church and people here and people there and family members, families are the worst, right? We have so much problems in our family because they're the one that should see our sacrifice the most. Have a little marriage counseling for a minute. You want to? Guy goes out and works all day. Gender specific here, because I'm, I'm talking to the guys right now, ladies. I'm not saying women don't go out and work all day, but I'm talking to the guys right now. Is that okay? Okay. I'm going to talk about y'all in a minute. Guy goes out and works all day. Comes home. He went and did what he didn't want to do for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever it is. Come home. Wife. Make it worth it. Make me feel good about what I did today. Tell me I'm awesome. Tell me I'm amazing. I need to go sit down in my chair. Worship me. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to let something out. I'm going to I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. Is that how you say it? I'm going to let the secret out. I'll hold it. I'm going to hold that secret for just a minute. <laughs> Ladies, 
I know this is stereotypical. You can switch them if you want to, okay? If we're, that, if we're there, then you expect too much from me today. <laughs> if, if me saying men work, women do the house, whatever, is enough to offend you, you probably came in here with already some too much expectation on me to make you feel good about yourself. And the church is shrinking. <laughs> We're going to renovate again, put all the walls back, less chairs. <laughs> Guys, I'm not saying this because I'm upset about it. I'm saying this because you're miserable about it. I, I mean, I know me. I'm a flawed human being. But even if I was a perfect human being, I'm not Jesus, and I'm not enough. So if I'm your fulfillment, and if I'm your prize, and if I'm your token, then you're in trouble. And our staff is amazing, and our staff is great. I love them to death. I mean, I feel like I just pinch myself. But they're not that great. That they're going to always handle every situation perfectly and make you feel like you're the best thing in the whole world every time. They'll try. Ladies, men, if the roles are reversed, or if you both work, then both of you work. If you both stay home, I don't know how you pay your bills, but <laughs> let's go with a lady. That's the way it is at my house. You knock it out of the park one day. You kill it. Like, it's not your job. It's not your responsibility, but you just took it on. And you've nailed the laundry. And you've cleaned the house. And you've done all these amazing things. Because your husband needs to be worshipped, so you do it because you feel like you have to or he's going to be upset when he gets home. So then when he gets home, as soon as he walks in the door, did you see everything? Did you acknowledge everything? Are you praising me enough? So we got two people seeing each other for the first time today, both of them with this massive debt for the other one to feel. Let me know how that works for you. Happens all the time. But if a man, here's the cat out of the bag, or a woman, if ever works outside the home, where if you both do and you ma manage the chores and you get your, you're both working and you're both doing this and you get the kids or you don't have kids or whatever the scenario may be when you see each other, if you both had done what you wanted to do all day because you love God and you love people and you live truth and there's no greater desire than to provide for your family there was no greater desire to bring wealth in for just you and your spouse or whatever it may be, and you're sharing in that. And you come with just such an amazing... I used to tell in youth ministry when we'd have little games and contests, and I didn't have any prizes. So when they won, I'd say, you win! Personal pride on the inside! But if we came home full, 
because we had walked in obedience that day and we had made a choice that that was an acceptable and reasonable thing for us to do that day with our life. And we did it because we wanted to. Then we come home full and we celebrate our spouse because it's the next thing on the list that we want to do. And we lay our head down at night and we pinch ourselves because from the time we woke up to the time we went to bed, we did what we wanted to do. Believers should do what they want to do whenever they want to do it. Cat out of the bag, I never let it out. Guys, <laughs> this is going to ruin it for you. Guys especially. I don't think women do this, but guys do this. You love going to work. If you didn't have a job, you would make up something to go do. You love leaving the house. If you have children, especially, you love leaving the house. I mean, you love them. But I think it's with men even more. You love to go somewhere. You, you, you are made to go somewhere and do something you choose to do and pour yourself into it and see the accomplishment of what your hands have done. You love to go to work. So many men, it's not even Father's Day. They said I beat up on the men during Father's Day. I'm going to do it today, and on Father's Day, we're not going to. How about that, Ben? <laughs> ben, do you hear me? You joked with me last week. He's not moving. He's not like that. Never mind. All right. We'll talk about that later. I don't know what this is about. All right. So, um, it's like a double whammy. We do what we want to do all day and then get home and get praise for it like we were sacrificing. It's kind of what we do with God. We either choose to do it or we don't. And then we choose to do it. Why do we need so much affirmation and praise about it? We already got the reward. We already got the fulfillment. So we got the fulfillment of doing what we want to do and then we want everybody else to celebrate us too. That's why I said, what do you want? My, my uncle... And my cousins are, um, well, I don't know if they're still in the carnival business. I think one of my cousins might be, but they used to be in the carnival business. My dad's brother and my, co my cousins were all in the carnival business. They do these little pop-up carnivals. They did the Tent Knoxville Fair for years. They were over all these games. And we travel around. They made big money doing it. You'd be surprised. Sometimes people that look shabby have a lot of money, Right? They just don't wear it on the carnival. <laughs> so they did really well for themselves. I remember my cousin one time, he had a, this is off track, but a tractor trailer trailer, and it was his house, and it had all these slides out of it. It's like a million-dollar house that he pulled with a tractor trailer. It was amazing. But anyway, but I know they had this game. My cousin worked this one for a long time as he was growing up, and it was where they throw the ball, and they knock those three things off of just three cans off of a pole, off of a platform, and it cost a dollar, and people would come there, and they'd win, and he'd give them the prize, and he always used to say, when they'd win, they'd be like, man, as you said, he'd be like, what do you want for a dollar, a Cadillac? 
What do we want? Let's get into my sermon. (laughs) How about it? Psalms 37, 4 through 5. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide for you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life as you trust him along the way. You'll find he pulled it off perfectly. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide you... Provide for you what you desire the most. Make him the utmost delight and pleasure of your life and he'll give you what you desire the most. So we'll get what we want when what we want is him. That's why Christians should be able to do whatever they want whenever they want because whatever they want should be him. And you should go after him whenever you want and be filled. It may take different expressions and different avenues and different plans. Look at Isaiah 46, 9 10. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done. Saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. This is all about a relationship with a God who's doing all this for pleasure. Do you think that he do, him doing it for pleasure would look like us doing it out of obligation? This is a partnership of us all doing... I, I, I mean, we're in fellowship with one that has everything and made everything and his whole pleasure is to lavish on us the riches of his kingdom. Yet we come into the equation, we come into the relationship. He's like the spouse that's at home that's done everything because he wanted to and everything on his end because he desired to and we come home because of a little thing we did and we place demands on him and want him to fill us and overwhelm us. Why wouldn't we just Realize that he did it out of his good pleasure. Philippians 2, 3, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Look at it in the passion. God will continually revitalize you and planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So the passion, when he says for his good pleasure, he will implant within you the passion to do what pleases him. Christians should be passionate about doing what pleases God. Our minds should be transformed to where what we want looks like what he wants. And we should be going out after it with everything that's in us. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. Everyone must do what they've purposed in their heart and do it without grudgingly or under compulsion. This thing is so fragile. At times, the church is so fragile because we've got so many people doing what they don't want to do and there's so much pressure on the pastor and on the pastor, it's on the people. And we're, we're all coming in here with such pressure. And one little thing, one little slight, one little offense comes in and it can blow the whole thing up. Everyone do what you've purposed in your heart without compulsion or obligation. We're trying to leverage all the time. We're coming with angles and jockeying for position. And we wonder why the world doesn't want to receive our message. Do what you've purposed in your heart without compulsion. And we have went against this so often as leaders, we take scripture and we use scripture to cause people to do what we want them to do out of fear and obligation and dread. That is such a fragile commitment. When our first words to people who we see out on the street who've been out of church for a while are something like what they need to do Man, you need to get back in church. You need to do this. You need to do that. That's not really the right thing to lead with. <laughs> the goodness of God draws people to repentance. And someone who's been drawn by something else to pseudo-repentance doesn't last long. You hear me? Someone who's been drawn by manipulation, coercion, eloquent words by some speaker somewhere, fear, telling you about what's going to happen in your life if you don't do what I say. When someone comes to a place of, okay, well then I won't do what I used to do, but they're really not broken about it, and they're really not repentant about it. They're just compliant. They're trying to not be conformed to the world, but they're trying to be conformed to our image that we're trying to place on them. And transformation never takes place. It doesn't last long. If you're not doing what you want, when you want, then what's your motivation? Because it's not going to last. Let your heart and your mind be transformed to the heart of Christ. Look at this in, uh, in the Passion. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves hilarious generosity. 
Does this sound like a God who wants to put you in shackles and take away all your money? It's for my pleasure, and I want the people who are working for my pleasure to be doing it in pleasure. I want us to all be hilariously following this. Some of you are like, man, you're missing this, bro. I mean, what about martyrs? What about all this? What about people who have to do these terrible, terrible things? They made a choice. Let's look at Christ, Colossians chapter 1. For sake of time, let's just skip down to verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. It was the Father's good pleasure for the fullness to dwell in him. In the Passion, it says, And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. You guys know I've read it before in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, let us lay aside all of the sin and the weight that entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that's laid before us. Because there's this huge crowd, right, that's watching us. It's Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured the cross because he wanted to. This victim mindset has infected the church. That's why we're always talking about our rights and we're being offended. Somehow people who are supposed to be followers of Christ, that means we've laid our lives down. We're dead and we have no expectations of anything. Seem to have a lot of rights that we want to defend. He chose to die. Look at it in the passion. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. So what does he say? Make him the desire of your, make him the, uh, the fullness of what you delight in, and he will give you the desires of, heart, of your heart. What did he do? He made us the fullness of what he delights in. And he did what he wanted to do to be with us. And he received the desire of his heart. But he did what he wanted to do. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let this same mind... Let's see, this is a different translation. And consider the example that Jesus anointed what is set before us. Let this mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme surprise prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outright glory, outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. Look at verse 8. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing. Everybody say choosing. He did what he wanted. He chose. He made a choice. He wasn't a victim. 
Sometimes we mean well, but we put images of Christ up on a cross and we sit around and we worship him in a way like he was a victim. And then we act like victims in following him and taking up our cross. We got a people claiming to be Christ followers that have victim mindsets about it, and they think the world owes them, and they're angry about what they have to do, so they want to put that judgment and put that anger and put that frustration on everybody else. Do what you want and invite a lost and broken and dead world to come and join you in it and so that they'll find the desires of their heart. In Matthew chapter 26, we see him in the garden. He says, Father, if there's any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. So there's two wants. He's saying, what my flesh wants is not important. What you desire for me, what your plan is for me is what I really want. There's a difference. What feels good and what feels good. What feels good to the touch and what feels good to the soul fills you up and runs you over. In Luke 22, Father, if you're willing, take this cup of agony away from me, but no matter what, your will must be mine. When his will becomes our will, we do whatever we want whenever we want. Because what we want is his will. And it's always a good time to do his will. I was thinking when Jehan was singing and gave that prophetic word, how amazing that when he gives us something that he, we want to do, and that's our desire, and it's not the time. Do you want to do it then? Do you want to do it then? Or do you want to do it when the holding period is over? Holding pattern. I gave up. Man, that's powerful what Jahan said. When you say we can do whatever we want, whenever we want to, you can. Just evaluate what you really want. Do you want to do it now? How you are? With some places that need to be massaged and healed so that when you do it, it can actually work. Do you want to do it now? Preempt all of that holding pattern and go ahead and do it and it crash and burn? Or do you want to crawl up in his lap and hang out in the holding pattern for a little while and let him better prepare you until he says this is a good time and then whenever you want becomes when he says is a good time and you say man I don't want to go now what do you think no I think now oh yeah I want to do it when you say do it I want to go here you think that's good It'd be better if you went here. Yeah, I want to go where you say go. Followers of Christ should do whatever they want, whenever they want. Because what they should want 
is what he wants when he wants it. And if it's not, guys, I wanted to put true there, but I figured y'all get my, might get upset about that. True Christians should be able to do whatever they want, whatever they should do, whatever they want, whatever they want. Because I don't, it, is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it a true Christian? Is that born again? Is that it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He's just using this vessel to do what he wants. If I'm constantly having to do what I don't want to do, are we really dead? And is he really alive in us? Are we really Christians? Are we really like the one that said, let the same mind be in you that chose to humble himself <laughs> and die? Because what he really wanted was to be with you. For the joy that was set before him, let that same mind be in you and do what you want when you want to do it, but want what he wants because you're dead and he's alive in you. True Christians should be doing whatever they want whenever they want. I love this, John 10, 18. I surrender my own life and no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my father has set before me. Make powerful choices, powerful people. I think instead of trying to get as many people to say they're Christians as possible, we should be trying to get as many people to be Christians as possible. I'm not interested with how many people we can get into a building that say they're Christians. I'm interested in getting however many there are and give my, the rest of my life to a group of people who are Christians and are excited, excited about going out and trying to help the rest of the world become Christians. Yeah. Powerful people making powerful choices. I said all that to say, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Dude, what are you saying? What are you saying? Jesus didn't look at the young man, the rich young ruler who I call the poor young pauper, as he was walking away and said, wait, 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 uh, uh, oh, shoot, uh, this is so bad for you to go away. I, I can't let you go away sad. I've got to make some concession here. Um, you're really awesome. I really want you to be a follower. You're really talented and gifted. I really see a lot of potential in your life. Please, 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 of all the people, you're really amazing. You don't, please don't be one of the ones that turns around sad. I really, oh man, you're amazing. Please, let me, let me say all the things to try to get you to become compliant with my request. 
That's what we do in the church. Sometimes I wear myself out. Being a control freak, trying to help people be what I see that they could be. That they don't want to be. At the end of the day, if I succeed in making them what they don't want to be, it won't last. Be what you want to be. And if it's a follower of Christ, then so be it. If it's one that wants to lay their life down and say it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me, so be it. I love it. I'm excited about it. Let's do some amazing stuff together. If it's not, I love you. I bless you. I pray mercy and grace on your life. I'll be here. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Call me whenever you want, but I'm not going to spend the next 10 years trying to make you do it. He looks at Pilate in John 19. He says, Pilate says, man, are you not going to answer me? Are you deaf? Don't you know I have the power to grant your freedom or nail you to a tree? Jesus said, you would have no power at all unless it was granted to you from above. You, you misunderstand this. This is my choice. No one is going to make me do something I don't want to do. But I'm going to choose to do it. Because if someone makes me, it will rob it of all of its purity and value. Virtue. It's got to be pure and undefiled. Hey, boy. Jehu. Oh, goodness. Here we go. It's 1217. Can I finish strong, fast? You want to know who the crowd is? I love that. Boom, boom. I want to finish strong, fast today. That's what I want to do. Stay or go. Well, y'all make y'all's choice, whatever it is. Receive or don't? What do you want me to do? It seems hard, but seriously, guys, what he's calling us to do, if coming in a building with everybody who's like us, worshiping him in an air-conditioned room as comfortable as possible, is too hard. Yeah. And we're too fragile to not come in and do that without getting offended with somebody in the building. Do we really think we're going to make a difference in the world? I was thinking this the other day. I, I know I'm here to equip the saints, but, but you are too. People say, I don't need this. I don't need this. I, we don't have to do all this. It don't matter what you need. You're not here for you. You're here to be the church. Look beside you. You're here for them. I don't want to jump on church attendance, but my goodness, I love it, man. This place is awesome. It's so amazing. Blah, blah. I'll see you in two months. 
take for granted that we're just going to keep doing this by ourselves and you can show up when you want to. This ain't about us doing something for you. This is about us doing something together for the world. Now hear me. I'm not putting any guilt. Do what you want. But if you want to build a church with me that will change the nation and the nations of the world out of Powell, Tennessee, I believe that the grace of God is on us to do it, but it's going to have to take some people who want to do it. Not who stop in when they feel enough guilt or condemnation or conviction that they have to because you don't have to. If you hear anything out of that that sounds like condemnation, you're hearing it wrong still. It's that victim spirit that's embedded in you. Find out who he came with. <laughs> Tell them all to leave. You know who that crowd is in Hebrews chapter 12? You know, since we're surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, you know that crowd is a bunch of people who made powerful choices to do what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, which so happened to be what God wanted to do when he wanted to do it in the earth. You want to know who they are? Now, faith brings our hopes to reality and becomes, uh, Hebrews 11, a foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. You want something? Then... Operate by faith. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and be, excuse me, beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke in the invisible realm, gave birth to all that's seen. You ready? Verse 4. Who's the crowd? Abel. Faith moved Abel to choose. Abel made a choice. Man, it's real complicated, isn't it? Make choices. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God than his brother Cain, and God declared him righteous because of his offering by faith. By faith, Abel still speaks instruction to us today, even though he is long de dead. Faith lifted Enoch from this life, and he was taken up to, into heaven. He never had to experience death. Who wants to never experience death? Go for it. He has disappeared from this world because God promoted him. For before he was translated to the heavenly realm, before he missed death, his life had become a pleasure to God. He chose to be a pleasure to God. I mean, what does he do for my pleasure? He gave his son in fullness. He wants to walk with us in fellowship. Enoch chose to walk in fellowship and righteousness with God. And without faith living in us, it would be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that he is real and that he rewards the faith of those who give all their passion and strength into seeking him. Faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warnings from God about what was coming, even things that had never been seen. But he stepped out in reverent obedience to God and built an ark that would save him and his family. By his faith, the world was condemned. But Noah received God's gift of righteousness that comes by believing. He chose to obey. 
Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call to leave the familiar and to discover territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going, Abraham stepped out in faith. He lived by faith as an immigrant in his promised land and as, and as though it belonged to someone else. He journeyed through the land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob who were persuaded that they were also co-heirs of the same promise. His children were persuaded that they were co-heirs. So they were excited about living in tents. Are your children persuaded that they're co-heirs? Or do they dread you dragging them around in tents? Whatever God calls you to do, are your kids on board with it? We don't like to talk about this, but sometimes the reason our kids aren't on board with it is because they hear their parents complain about it. And we make it look like following Christ is the hardest thing that we've ever done, and we don't want to do it, but we're doing it anyways. Yeah. And then we wonder why our kids aren't excited about it. You want to grow up and be like mom and dad? Do what you don't want to do every day? For an invisible prize that you cannot see? Or do you want them to see it? When your transmission goes out of your truck, do you want your kids to say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This is terrible. We're always in a mess. We're always in a problem. We're always struggling. Can't get a break. Or do you want them to say, like my kids have said, oh, Dad, that's awesome. I guess you're getting a new truck sooner than you thought. <laughs> That's the real deal. My son called me last night, went to buy some airsoft war equipment. <laughs> he's been working at our drive-thru and he's been tithing on it from his first check. And he went in and he said, man, I want some nice goggles. Where's some, what's y'all's best pair that won't fog at all? And they told him, they're like, such a price, and they're kind of expensive. And he goes, okay. <laughs> He's learning concept of money. <laughs> he said, where's your cheapest pair? <laughs> and the guy goes to show him the cheapest pair, and he says, oh, it looks like we're out of the cheapest pair. I guess I'll have to give you the most expensive pair for the price of the cheapest pair. My son recognized immediately, he called us and told us, he said, I tithe. So what I have left is blessed. Because he wants to. He said, I'm tithing this week too. <laughs> oh, and so what if we go a week and we don't see it and the transmission goes out and we don't get a new truck? Hey. I've been driving in second gear for a week. Just an experiment. You can do it. You can get a lot accomplished with a vehicle in second gear. I've learned. I drove it today. Second gear only. Just go over here. Transmission's out. 
Not a doubt in my mind God's not got me. It's his good pleasure. This whole thing me and him are doing together, it's for my good and for his glory. It's for his good pleasure. And it's for my good pleasure. It's a beautiful walk we're walking together. He loves me and I love him. We're like two peas in a pod. And I want to. I really want to go through the rest of Hebrews 11, but we don't have time. You need to. Can I just read? Is this okay? Can I go through here and just read the highlighted verses out of the whole passage? Think you can get something out of that? We're talking about Jacob now, verse 10. His eyes of faith were set on the city with unshakable foundations whose architect and builder is God himself. His eyes were set. I don't need anybody to give me a little prize. I don't need anybody to give me a little affirmation. Y'all got nothing. I'm looking at the one. (laughs) The builder and the architect. When it's talking about Sarah, the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise and she tapped into his faithfulness. Summing them all up, they all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. Verse 16, but they couldn't turn back for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater, that is the heavenly realm. Abraham's faith made it logical. Romans 12. This is our reasonable sacrifice, right? To give our whole life and our whole body. It's what we should choose to do. It's what we should want to do. Abraham's faith made it logical to him that God could raise Isaac from the dead. Oh, sacrifice my son? Yeah, I want to do that. Am I saying every moment of it? But he didn't go until that's what he wanted to do. Didn't tell us if Abraham wrestled with the decision. But we should. The time we wrestle with the decision should decrease over time of an experience with him being faithful in what he says. And it should get to the place where he says it, we do it because we want to all the time. He thought it was logical. Well, if, he, if I kill him, then he'll just raise him. Logical. The supernatural has to become reasonable and logical if we're going to do what we want to do all the time, and it's what he wants. Because we're going to avoid things that seem impossible. It's our human nature. So we won't want to try it. Do you want to see the Red Sea drown your adversary of debt? then you have to be willing to walk through on dry ground even though it's scary. And walking through the Red Sea that's going to drown out debt on dry ground may look like giving something that seems scary because you want to. Because you want to. And then you watch it get drowned behind you. Faith enabled Moses to choose God's will. Choosing instead to suffer mistreatment 
with God's people. And Moses preferred faith certainty, faith certainty. You hear that? You can do what you want when you want if faith is certain to you. Yes. See, it's hard to do what you want when you've got more confidence in the natural laws than you do God's law. Because we avert to, from pain. So it looks painful, so we won't want to do it. But if faith is more certain than what you see, then we'll want to do it because we'll know that that's actually what's true. One plus two in the kingdom equals 12. Or 47. Or whatever. So we want to do whatever it takes to get to 47. But in the earth, it looks different than that, and so we'll avoid it. Ah, oh, you got me, guys. I'm rambling. For his eyes looked with wonder not on the immediate but on the ultimate face great reward. Their faith fastened onto their promises and pulled them into reality. They didn't deny their... Yet it was faith that enabled others to endure great atrocities. They were stretched out on the wheel and tortured and didn't deny their faith in order to be freed because they longed for a more honorable and glorious resurrection. They could have been freed, but they didn't accept it. Time's up. Let me give you some homework. Oh, shoot. Here's the end of it, guys. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. What wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. What wealth is offered to you? Do you want wealth? Do you want wealth? Is that a trick question? Do you want wealth? It's offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty. Yeah. It means to be humble in spirit, poor in spirit, which means to be humble and totally dependent upon God for everything. It can be translated, delighted are those who have surrendered completely to God and trust only in Him. Great wealth is given to those who are delighted, uh, who are completely surrendered to God and trust only in Him. Do you want to trust only in Him? Do you want to give Him everything? Do you want to surrender all you have to Him? Do you want wealth? It's your choice. It's your choice. Make a choice. What delight comes to you when you wait on the Lord? Do you want to wait or do you want to move forward? Do what you want. But if you wait, you'll find what you long for. In the Aramaic, it means what to see the face of what or who you long for. Do you want to see the face of what or who you long for? Then wait. It's your choice. If not, move ahead. True Christians want to wait. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. Do you want to choose to be gentle or not? It's your choice. How enriched are you when you crave righteousness for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness? Do you want righteousness or not? Do we want to live in righteousness or not? Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what I can't do. Don't tell me don't bring correction. Okay. Okay. Make a choice. How satisfied are you when you demonstrate tender mercy? For tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. Do you want to demonstrate tender mercy or not? Do what you want. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure. 
Do you want to experience bliss? Do you want to have a pure heart? Do what you want. For then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. Do you want to see more and more of God? Have a pure heart. Do what you want. How blessed you are when you make peace. For then you will be recognized as a true child of God. Do you want to make peace or not? Just make a choice. Jesus just sits down on a rock and tells them what they get if they make certain choices. And he left it up to them. All the people, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't follow them around to see if they were sinning. He didn't spy on their social media to see if they said something wrong. Well, my goodness, they came to church and they came up front and they prayed and now look at them. They're still doing that thing. Okay. What's your point? They made a bad choice after a good choice. They're going to make more choices. Let's pray for that. (laughs) What does that mean? Like it's over for them? They didn't make every choice like you thought they should make? You make a choice to get over it. How enriched are you when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what's right? Do you want to be persecuted for doing what's right or do you want to quit doing what's right because you hate being persecuted and no good deed goes unpunished, so I'll just quit doing good deeds and quit trying to help people because I'm sick of the pain that comes with it. That's your choice. But how enriched are you if you choose to do good and be persecuted anyway? For what is it? For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. Pick me, pick me. Do you want to? Who wants to be ecstatic in your life? How many of you has that word defined anything in your life in the last 12 months? Have you been ecstatic about anything? Have you avoided persecution like the plague? Have you made sure not to do anything that could possibly cause persecution? Maybe that's why you're not ecstatic. (laughs) So leave for joy since your heavenly reward is great for you're being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Yes. When we get rejected, we should do like a, at the Olympics, hold up scorecards. Ooh, that was a, that was a tough one. We were pretty close. I'm going to give you about an eight on that one. Woo! Ah, mm, that was a three-dayer. I've been been feeling sad for three days on that one. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa, that was a bad one. I've been depressed about that rejection for a month. I'm going to give you a 10. Good job. I'm going to give you a 10. 
somewhere. Man, that just brought back to our remembrance. What did I tell you at the beginning of the year with the scorecards? Didn't see this coming. 2020. God is going to meet us at our level of expectation this year, and I still believe it. I don't care if Corona, I don't care what's happening, 20 out of 20. We've been looking for 10 out of 10. We thought 10 out of 10 was the greatest, and he's saying, hey, I'm willing to do 20 out of 20 if you'll raise your level of expectation. But who in here is willing to raise your level of rejection? Man, the most, uh, the, the, the greatest rejection I've ever felt was probably a 10. You might get a 20 if you want 20 out of 20. Are you hearing me? You might get a 20. It's going to be okay. Who wants to? Wait, who wants to? <laughs> Okay, yeah. Hey, here's what I've learned. If you don't want to, don't worry. It won't happen. If you want to, it will. If you want to go where he wants you to go, if you want to be ecstatic, he'll help you get there. <laughs> Because he loves to show himself strong in the lives of people. Rejection happens all around. Brokenness happens all around. He needs some people who can walk through it and come out better and not bitter. And it removes the sting of it. Just like Jesus removed the sting of death. He ain't just out wanting to make you feel bad. He's wanting to take the sting of rejection out of the earth. And if I'll be one that will allow him to do that, I'll be well compensated for my time. I made a rule a long time ago as we were church planning. I said, John, I'll never hire anybody who doesn't already do what I'm hiring them to do. Because they want to. Nothing worse than trying to get somebody to do something with money, like a carrot in front of them. People come and say, man, I want a job. Okay, start doing it. I'll pray about paying you one day. We didn't start this church because we were getting paid. We started because we wanted to. Even when it wasn't fun, we wanted to. You got to stand up with me. We're going to go. I know I'm late. You know why we're late today? Because I wanted to. You know why you're still here? Because you wanted to. Isn't it amazing? People leave, man. Why did he go so long? Why'd you stay? I tell people, man, I tell you, people sometimes come and help me work and they complain the whole time. I'm like, man, go home. I tell you, you not be here. If you don't want to be here. So I call you all believers. And any non-believers in the room, there's an invitation. Would you like to do what you want to do, when you want to do it for the rest of your life?
and be ecstatic about it. There's only one way you can do that. Absolutely only one way you can do that. And that's to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and become a new creature that he lives in and through. And let him have his will and his way for his good pleasure in your life and you'll reap all the benefits for your good and for his glory. People of God, do what you want when you want to do it and nothing else. Today, in your marriage, with your children, in your homes, and in your families, at your jobs, you know who gets promoted at jobs? People that are doing what they want. You know who doesn't? People who are trying to get an angle to the top because they don't want to do it, but they're doing it because they get enough money to do it, so they need more money to make them feel better about doing it. I've been ridiculed about how early I get up at times in my ministry. When I was a youth pastor, I had elders that would call me at 6 a.m. and they would give me a hard time about not being up yet. And I said, I'm going to call you at 3 a.m. when I finally got all the young people that are spending out of my house to go to bed. <laughs> you know why they did that? They weren't doing what they wanted to do. So they wanted me to not do what I wanted to do too or to feel guilty about doing what I wanted to do. But you know what I did? I did what I wanted to do. And I started asking people after that, why aren't you up yet? And I say, why are you? If you're so mad about it, go back to bed. Get another job. Get a second shift. Get a third shift. Don't put your frustration with your life on me. Do what you want. Somebody see me in sweatpants one day and said, man, I wish I could wear sweatpants every day. I said, why don't you? I'm sorry you made choices in your life that make you wear a suit and tie every day. I didn't. I knew early on I'm not wearing a suit and tie every day. So if I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing something else, probably some work boots or something. I don't know, but it wouldn't be a suit and tie. Got a bunch of people doing stuff they don't want to do every day of their life, and they're just miserable about it. And the last thing you can do, you can do a lot of stuff in this world, but don't say you're a follower of Christ when you don't want to be. I won't get in your business. You can be miserable about your job, be miserable about your family, do all that stuff, but don't you dare say Christ led you to do all that stuff. Because if he was leading you, you'd want to do it. If you're following him because you love him and your mind's transformed. God, we love you today. We thank you for loving us, for extending mercy to us. Thank you for the opportunity to do what we want to do when we want to do it, to be powerful people, <laughs> doing powerful things and establishing your kingdom on this earth. Just like from Hebrews chapter 11, we want to be those that attach our faith to promises and pull them onto the earth because we want to. We love you. Lord, take this word as jumbled as it may have been and let it do the work that you intended it for it to do when you put it in my heart and my mind, my spirit. Let this word do the work 
through every assignment and attack and every person who would try to say it's blasphemy and put a yoke of religion and bondage on it and say I'm preaching some type of false doctrine. God, I just pray that this word would do the work it's intended to do in the ears of those that you intended to hear it. Let them hear it rightly. And whoever chooses not to, so be it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.